This is Casey Hendrickson on News Talk 95.3 Michiana's News Channel, your breaking news and weather station. Good afternoon. Thank you for tuning in. News Talk 95.3 Michiana's News Channel. I am your host, Casey Hendrickson. If you're looking for a used vehicle, go to rbcarcompany.com. Again, RB Car Company are your used car experts. So property crime rose in St. Joseph County last year, continues its trend upward. Unlike the city of South Bend, where police say the COVID-19 pandemic may have depressed property crime, St. Joseph County police report an increase in theft and burglaries in 2020. So if you look at the St. Joseph County Police Department, uh, they've got some statistics. Thefts, burglaries increased by more than 40%. Youch. Now, again, people are at home. People are less hesitant to go inside other people's houses, generally speaking, but that didn't happen in St. Joseph County. Now, again, just because, just because, um, uh, you know, there's an increase in thefts and burglaries doesn't mean it's all burglaries, but a 40% increase la over last year than compared to, uh, well, in 2020 compared to 2019. County statistics also show a drop in battery cases which is also a departure from South Bend where assaults increased in 2020. Um, now, for those of you who are younglings, you don't remember, but every time there was some economic turmoil, Harry Reid used to love to tell you about how that would lead to, uh, lead to people either beating their family or, or uh, how it would lead to more time together. He could never really make up his mind which one he wanted to promote. It just kind of depended on what issue he was talking about. Uh, let's see. County reported 1,010 thefts in 2020, up from 682 in 2019. Burglaries rose to 262 last year from 184 in 2019. So significant gains in both. St. Joseph County Sheriff Bill Redmond said the increases were concerning, though some of the uptick is likely due to changes in how the department reports its crime data. We believe that some of these numbers could be a reflection of the way that we're classifying crimes now versus the last few years. We're not saying that's totally the reason for the spike. Going from 682 to over 1,000 is certainly concerning. I always think, and for the record, I mean, a lot of departments do this, and a lot of departments need to do this. Uh, they change the way that they calculate this stuff. I've always said that for a couple of years at least, and I'm sure that some departments do that. They should probably do the old report and the new reporting to kind of showcase, ease people into the new reporting so there isn't a drastic shock like what you see see right here. But again, the sheriff is making it very clear that he's not blaming the new reporting for the change in numbers. Uh, it's just that it could account for some of it. He also pointed the theft of packages ordered online and catalytic converters from vehicles as two particular problem areas that the department will address this year. Uh, package theft is obviously big. It's continued to get bigger, but now with everybody ordering stuff, and here's the, it's not just Amazon. Your groceries are delivered. Your food is delivered now. Your your meals from restaurants, everything is being delivered to your house now, which is you know convenient, but at the same time, you have to deal with package thieves. We had a couple of packages get swiped this year, too. It's the first time that we've ever had that happen here. <clears throat> so it's been an issue. We're trying to figure out if, if uh, one that we were sending back got swiped. Uh, trying to figure that out now. We found out about that this morning. Uh, what else do we have here? 2020 is the first year county police have sent crime data to the FBI's National Incident-Based Reporting System, which requires certain offenses to be classified differently than the department has done in, in years past. 
Uh, the sheriff also pointed to an uptick in burglaries as an area where new reporting classifications may have played a factor. For example, before 2020, if an item was stolen out of an open garage, it would be classified as a theft. But under the federal standards that they now have to do reporting to the FBI, that offense is now a burglary. Okay, so he's pointing. That's one example of how the data could be a little bit different. And a lot of people, again, they leave their garage open, they go inside, somebody comes in, snags something, you know, that sort of thing. Um, I don't know if any of this would be tied to the new Amazon garage delivery service that they do. I haven't heard of there being any major issues there. And Amazon does a pretty good job for those of your Amazon customers. They do a pretty good job of taking pictures of when they drop something off and delivered it. So hopefully that isn't the issue there. Um, but Amazon does have that, that garage delivery service where they'll just you know they have access to the garage they'll open the garage put your package inside the garage and then close it before they go uh that's the idea anyway i have not used it don't know anything about it i do have um one device i just got for my garage that is compatible with that service should i choose to do that i will not be doing that but should you choose you can do it so those those items are all out there another possible explanation for the increased number of property crimes uh, that the county has at recently added online reporting systems. So going and reporting it online, a lot more convenient. Actually having to fill out a report, deal with uh, you know travel and all that stuff, a bit a bit more cumbersome. These are a part of the modifications that uh, Sheriff Merriman is, has been installing. And I haven't talked an awful lot about uh, his tenure as sheriff there, but so far the reactions that I'm getting from people that I know in law enforcement have been pretty positive. Uh, they seem to they seem to really like what Sheriff Redmond has been doing. Online reporting started in February, and Redmond said that more than 500 incident reports were filed over the course of that year, giving citizens an outlet to report crimes that they wouldn't have reported in the past because it's annoying. So there's that. Uh, additionally, police data also shows county officers filed 222 domestic violence incidents in 2019 that number jumped to 294 in 2020 they also reported a 39 percent decrease in battery cases in 2020 so less people are active um so there's that you got domestic violence goes up um you know people are at home we've seen that all across the country and then as far as battery of you know strangers people on the street that goes down because there's less people out and about that makes sense uh, well, St. Joseph County saw an increase in property crime. South Bend saw the opposite trend in 2020, with theft declining by 12%, burglary dropping 24% over the past year. South Bend also saw a 38% rise in aggravated assaults. Uh, assaults in South Bend have been a concern for a couple of years now, and, and it's continuing to trend in the wrong direction. Uh, what else do we have here? Mishawaka. Uh, like St. Joseph County Police, the Mishawaka Police Department also shifted to the NURBS, in, NURBS system. That's a federal system in 2020. I don't know if they call it NURBS, but I like calling it NURBS because it's funny. Uh, making comparisons to 2019 stats difficult, according to a list of case reports, Mishawaka police experienced a 50%, 50% increase in aggravated assaults, though the, though the number now includes offenses like pointing a weapon at another person that would have been classified differently in previous years. Remember, St. Joseph County and Mishawaka, now that they report to the federal FBI system, which every department needs to do, but now that they're reporting to that federal system, they have to change their reporting standards 
to conform with the FBI's federal system. So that way, all of the data coming in is equal. Know what I mean? You can't have departments who categorize things completely differently, all going into the federal system at the same time. So everything has to conform to the federal system. And we gave you the example again of the garage, uh, whereas, you know, previous to reporting to the federal system, if you left your garage open and somebody came inside and snagged something out of your garage, that was simple theft. It wasn't burglary. But the federal system counts it as burglary because somebody went inside your dwelling. So those changes could skew those numbers a little bit, but they're still not great. All right. So it's going to take a couple of years to really kind of figure out uh, what the trends are are actually uh, in the area. But uh, again, some of the trends are, you know, been happening for a couple of years now, and it's sh- certainly concerning uh, for the area. But we've had a lot of people coming in from from the Chicago area. This has been an explan- a source of explanation from a lot of people is that a lot of folks come from Chicago. Uh, maybe they're fleeing Chicago or they come to Chicago, you know, for various reasons. And some of that bleed over is, has been an issue. I don't know that that's a, a good enough explanation, to be honest with you, considering the population trends here. But it's an explanation that is given sometimes by, by some people. So so there you go. Uh, not Not a lot of truly positive stuff coming out of crime here locally, but there are also some explanations which could explain at least some of the increases in all of those things. And some of that's co-related, uh, some of that's reporting related, but nonetheless, there's still some trends going in the wrong direction. we got more coming up. Newstalk 95.3, Michigan News Channel. Good afternoon. Thank you for tuning in. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's news channel. I'm your host, Casey Hendrickson. Hey, the next time that you're watching basketball, I have got the perfect way for you to get in the action for free. I am talking about NBA in pay. Now, this is an absolutely free way to play on the FanDuel app. It features all of the fun of live betting. NBA in play turns every quarter of the game into a free contest where you can win real cash prizes. So you don't just bet on a game. You're betting on every quarter. So things dramatically change throughout a game. You all know that. So while you're watching the game, all you have to do is predict the outcomes of plays and game props before they actually happen. You claim your share of the prize. Well, best of all, again, a new contest starts every single quarter of every game, giving you even more ways to win. FanDuel is the exclusive home for NBA in play. You cannot get it anywhere else. So the action is always available right at your fingertips in the FanDuel app, which you should download right now. And again, the app is super easy to use. takes less than two minutes for you to sign up. And it does not matter where you live or where you're traveling to. I know a lot of the stuff that we do is for Indiana only, but this one doesn't matter. If you're on the Michigan side or in another state, you can play this, you can download it, and it all still applies. NBA InPlay is available in every state. So don't miss your shot. Get in on the game and download the FanDuel app. Start playing NBA InPlay today. All right. What else do we have here? It's just a lot of weird stuff that's going on out there. Do you see this church? This is another story that's not going to get a lot of attention. So, first of all, the media is not covering that the RNC was pipe-bombed. You know, uh, during the, uh, you know, the, uh, the, the <clears throat> sorry, the riot, the march, the protest, the, the speech, whatever. Um, the RNC, they, somebody placed bombs at the RNC. 
Now, while they're busy calling Trump supporters domestic terrorists and everything else, oh, by the way, Black Lives Matters admitted that they participated in the uh, swing of the Capitol. That happened this weekend. But while they're busy painting Trump supporters as domestic terrorists, there's an actual act of domestic terrorism that was happening in Washington, D.C., and it has gotten very little coverage on the news media, which is unfortunate. Um, and pipes, the pipes didn't go off, but still, somebody tried to blow up the headquarters for the Republican Party. Well, they've issued a reward. I think it's $75,000 now is what the FBI's award is for any information on that. But then you got this story. A church which is known for its conservative views has been bombed in California. The FBI and local police are investigating an explosion early Saturday at a Los Angeles area church that has been the targeted approach protest for its anti-LGBTQ message. Officers responding around 4.30 a.m. initially thought that a vandal had broken the windows of the First Works Baptist Church in El Monte. That's according to the city police department. Officers then noticed smoke coming from inside. When we realized the windows were not smashed, that they had actually blown out from some type of explosion, according to the police. No injuries, thank God. Again, this happened at 4.30 in the morning. Uh, the FBI now involved in the case. They don't have a lot of details, but, but they're going when they're they're taking a look at this again. Um, this is a, a house of worship, which you may not approve of, but this is a hate crime. So FBI did say it was premature to call the incident crime, but come on, let's let's be let's be perfectly honest here. We know exactly what's going on here. It this is another issue with the way that the media covers stuff. And honestly, the way that sometimes federal law enforcement handles things, too. If there is something that appears to be a hate, a hate crime, they won't say it's a hate crime unless it fits a certain narrative. The, everything else has to, if it doesn't fit the narrative, then, ah, let's put the brakes in this hate crime talk, shall we? But as far as certain narratives, you jump the gun on hate crime. It certainly looks like hate crime. We're going to continue to investigate. Usually that's coming from the media, not from law enforcement, but sometimes it does happen. So the First Works Baptist Church did not return anybody's calls. Uh, the media was inquiring. There have been protesters that have targeted the church uh, for uh, for several months now. The head of the church, a pastor, Bruce Mejia, probably butchered that. I uh, apologize. Condemned same-sex relationships. Okay. Uh, now, again, it's they've got a statement on their website of this and, and all of that other stuff. But... Uh, uh, oh, and the Southern Poverty Laws listed the church as a hate group, by the way. Again, more reasons why the Southern Poverty Law Center should lose all tax status immediately and just be dismantled. Uh, they're still making their, their lawsuits against the Southern Poverty Law Center still making their way through the courts, and they're going to be in big, big, big troubles. But um, they're, I mean, you're getting to the point where even mainstream news sources are not willing to look at the Southern Poverty Law Center anymore just because of some of the stuff that they have done in the past. We also still continue to have left-wing riots in the Pacific Northwest. They continue to be an issue in Washington and Oregon. And in fact, um, in Seattle, there was a rioter who was accused of taking a police gun in the summer from a vehicle. He's now seeing murder charges. 25-year-old man was being held in federal charges for allegedly stealing a rifle from a burned-out police car. Remember this story? We talked about that. They were trying to figure out where the thing had gone. Well, this is last spring. He now faces second-degree murder charges. Now, this is an unrelated shooting, so he did not steal this gun 
and then kill somebody with the the police rifle. But, now this is in King County, and uh, this is uh, prosecutor's office that Jacob D. Little of Everett, Washington. I have relatives there. Charged with second-degree murder and second-degree assault for shooting man in Renton, Washington, in a parking lot back in August. Uh, a 25-year-old man was killed, and a 15-year-old boy was injured in that incident, according to federal documents. Um, let's see. He, Little, Jacob Little, disliked the police and showed support for the Black Lives Matter movement. So he's a Black Lives Matter activist. But yeah, he snagged that rifle out of a burnt-out police car. And people were looking for him for a long time. Now he's been slapped with murder charges. And and uh, they did recover uh, the Humvee that was missing. Remember that the, there's been a Humvee that's been missing. It was stolen during some riots here. And they did they did find that and recover that. But we're continuing to have, you know, again, major riots in in the Pacific Northwest. It just it continues to get out of hand. But you're watching already where after years of allowing Antifa roam free on social media, finally, all of a sudden, automatically, ladies and gentlemen, some of the accounts advocating for violence on Twitter have started to come down. Hmm. How is that, how is that uh, happening? Why is it all of a sudden? Now, I told you last week, they're rioting really in Portland against Biden. I said, watch how quick all of a sudden Antifa ceases to be just an idea and they become a domestic terrorist group. You watch how fast that happens. It's all the it's already in the works. They're already moving that way. Trump tried to get that done a long time. And it's only happened at the state level. And as far as the federal level was concerned, they said they used domestic terror-like uh, strategies and activities. It's, <laughs> so you're a group with a political agenda using domestic terrorist tactics but you're not a domestic terrorist? Right. But that's, I mean, that's our system. That's the way that everything is kind of set up right now. Uh, but again, it's, um, they, by the way, they destroyed the original um, Starbucks too. They damaged all the windows and everything on the original Starbucks. So it doesn't matter where you are on the, the ideological lexicon. You're not with these crazy people. And they use the Democratic Party as useful idiots. The Democratic Party uses them as useful idiots to an extent, too, but it really goes both ways. And it's not really being condemned. There was zero questions asked about it at that, uh, that first press conference. They didn't ask them a single thing about it. But now some people are starting to take notice as no longer are they useful. <laughs> Can't have rioting happening in the United States if you're if the guy in the White House is... Uh, is Right. Can't have that, right? All right, we've got more coming up, ladies and gentlemen. Don't forget, you can find us online at dlive.tv slash Casey, the host. The daily show prep newsletter will go out at the end of the show as well. Go to theburningtruth.us to sign up for that. More coming up on 95.3 MNC. Good afternoon. Thank you for tuning in. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's news channel. I am your host, Casey Hendrickson. Do you want to thank R&B Car Company, locations in South Bend and Warsaw. R&B Car Company are your used car experts. A little bit later on in the show, we're going to get into buyer's remorse for Biden. 
and that'll probably be about the five o'clock hour. A bunch of states are really upset with Joe Biden's first first week. <laughs> All I can say is none of this would have surprised anybody, not even remotely, had you paid attention. And here's the thing: I think that we are at a point, without going too far into this until later today, I think we're at a point where people assume the politicians are going to lie to them them and they assume they know what the lies are so when somebody actually tells you hey i'm gonna do this to you they don't believe it they just assume they're trying to get votes <laughs> we have become so cynical that we don't believe our politicians will tell us the truth when they're telling us that they're going to harm us in some way we just assume that they're lying in order to win votes from the other side that's how bizarre things have gotten in this country's political realm but that's that's the truth that's all there is to it uh so i gotta talk about a couple of things here so we're gonna get into the amazon thing here in a second because amazon (laughs) suddenly amazon does not does not like people being able to vote remotely i wonder i wonder why they they don't don't like people remotely that's uh that's an interesting one it also leads into some twitter censorship too but first i want to talk about the news media once again spreading a debunked fake news story on everybody i keep promising you that the fake news flash is coming back and i i you know what i'm probably just gonna have to do it without the normal commercial that i was hoping to get done Uh, i just don't have anybody to voice the commercial at this point so probably just gonna relaunch the fake news flash without but The media pushed a fake news story here this past week. Uh, Journalist Lauren Wolf's contract was canceled by the New York Times. So conservatives and social media were then blamed for her ouster. Now, the only problem is that conservatives were not calling for her to be fired from the Times, and the Times actually dropped her on their own. Now, she put an image of Joe Biden's plane landing in Washington, D.C., and then she said... I have chills. Now, she caught some back for this. You know, as a perfect example of your unbiased media. Uh, so she did catch some flack, but I don't think anybody actually called for her to be fired. And the idea that the New York Times would have caved to a, a conservative outrage online over firing somebody is preposterous on its head. But beyond that, so she posted it. She said, uh, Biden landing at Joint Base Andrews now. I have chills. All right. And then she was fired shortly after that. And of course, on social media, everybody just decided that this was because there was some kind of a, a raging, frothing at the mouth uh, conservative mob that hit out at the New York Times and caused the New York Times to freak out so much that their massive Republican and conservative readership would be seriously damaged with people unsubscribing from the New York Times that they fired her because of the the right-wing mob and outrage at what she had posted, which, of course, is absurd to anybody who's been paying attention for more than three minutes. But this is also how the left operates. The left they use angry mobs to get people fired. So they just assume that when somebody is fired, it was because of some outrage mob, because that's what they do. Of course, the other side doesn't do that. Now, the New York Times finally, finally had to address that they did not in any way fire this woman 
because of a single tweet. And because of confidentiality, they're not going to go into it. Now, you have to understand something, and I've seen this happen locally, and you've, you've heard me offer my commentary on some local people in the media who have been removed from their post. And some of that was defending my company, who was being slandered with lies that were not true and were demonstrably false. And I chose to take up that mantle without my company knowing about it, by the way. Uh, like I said, I, I'm one of those where I'll just ask for forgiveness instead of permission. But in the media, and I realize this is not the same with most jobs, so things are just a little different in the media. In the media, all facets of it, when you lose your job, if you are fired, there is some kind of a severance. There's usually a non-compete that's added to that and a lot of secrecy on both sides. It is designed to prevent one side from slandering the other and causing damage. That's what it's designed to do. The problem is, is that if one side breaches that, and the other side doesn't breach it, you can easily weave whatever narrative you want. That's what was happening against my company. That Well, the company that I work for, not my company, but the company that I work for here, Federated Media. Uh, somebody had breached that contract, spread a lie about why they were separated, and it spread amongst a lot of people in the community. And there was backlash against my company for something they didn't do. And it's unfortunate, but this is what happens. So Federated Media kept the contract. They kept the, the non-disclosure but the lie continued to spread. And I started getting a lot of people asking me about it. Now I, so I had to address it on the show. I had to address it personally with many people. Um, the rumors just weren't true, but that happens when only one side is talking and then the other side is not talking. And when people don't realize there's a, there's a legal contract that's in play here, like, well, why aren't they defending themselves then? It must be true. It's not true. There's a contract. So we don't know why she was fired by the New York Times because she's not saying anything and the New York Times is not saying anything which leads to Vox and everybody else running with speculation this outlandish story that the New York Times caved to a right-wing mob because she got chills about seeing Joe Biden land in DC which never happened it, that was never what happened there was no mob there was no outrage mob the New York Times would have never caved for that anyway what do they care? None of those people are their customers. So it didn't make sense. But news outlets went with it and blue checkmark verified journalist, air quote, went with it. And the fact of the matter is it was a baseless, nonsensical claim. Even the New York Times finally had to say was not true. So what they did is they, <clears throat> they actually issued a statement there's a lot of inaccurate information circulating on Twitter. For privacy reasons, we don't get into the details of personnel matters, but we can say that we didn't end someone's employment over a single tweet. We don't plan to comment further. And again, there's a lot of people who don't understand that, but this isn't your normal, oh, I got fired from my company, now I get to trash them online or on Yelp or something. That's not how it works in the media. There are serious legal contracts that involve money for the person who's no longer with the company. And if that person breaks their silence too, they jeopardize their severance package. So there's a, besides opening themselves up to lawsuits and things of that nature. So this again, just allows speculation to roll. So I always remember this. If there is suddenly somebody who is removed from a company in the media. Now, if, usually if it's an amicable, I'm moving on doing things, there's always a goodbye. There's a, hey, I'm just letting you know the company's not responsible. You know, I'm, I'm going on to bigger and better things or what have you 
there's always something like that. Very rarely, if it's amicable, is there a just a break off with no no public you know uh, pronouncements. But when there's a separation from a company, it's always ugly, and there's always a contract that is involved. So just understand this: if there's ever a separation, no, I'm not alluding to anything. But if there's ever a separation and you don't hear anybody really talking about it, that's because there's a contract in place and there's there's actual there's money at stake if somebody breaches those those contracts. So just keep that in mind. But that's also what allows the rumor mill to start ramping up and swirling all of this nonsensical stuff. And then then you have an amazingly talented radio host come out there and straighten it all out and and ruin your credibility with all of your friends and family. We got more coming up. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel. And good afternoon. Thank you for tuning in. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel. I'm your host, Casey Hendrickson. All right, let's take a look at some interesting stuff coming out of Amazon. So there is a, well, there's really been a push for some time at some of the Amazon facilities to unionize Amazon workers, right? And something that Amazon has actively fought against for various reasons. But apparently what has happened is in the warehouse in Alabama, apparently there is a unionization vote and Amazon is seeking to postpone that vote at the warehouse in in Alabama. And what is happening is um, (laughs) federal labor authorities are allowing mail-in voting. Now, Amazon claims that it has created a safe, confidential, and convenient proposal for associates to vote on-site, which is in the best interest of all parties, associate convenience, vote fidelity, and timeliness of the vote count. Now, why why would Amazon be running, well, as, as a way to, to prevent remote and mail-in voting for the unionization effort in Alabama, why would Amazon be saying that there is an issue with vote fidelity? <laughs> uh, Wall Street Journal reports that the e-commerce giant Amazon is aiming to postpone a unionization vote at one of its warehouses in Alabama. The company is also reportedly requesting the federal labor authorities reconsider a decision to allow mail-in voting due to the pandemic. Now, for the record, we already know that going to vote didn't cause a super spreader event, didn't spread the virus around. It was relatively safe. But (laughs) this is just funny. On Thursday, Amazon filed an appeal to a decision by the National Labor Relations Board, which was allowing employees to vote by mail due to coronavirus risks instead of holding in-person elections. Now, a lot of those employees go to work at the facility. So Amazon has a point, right? There isn't any evidence that voting in any capacity leads to the spread of the virus. Plus, most of these people are going into work at that facility anyway, and they're not doing it remotely. So, or at least a good chunk of them. I'm sure some of them probably are able to do it at home. So from Amazon's perspective, it's like, you come to work here, just vote. (laughs) Which is a fair point, right? But at the same time, they have pointed out voter integrity and fidelity as a reason not to mail in their vote. This is where things get interesting. On Twitter, okay, so Twitter has now censored uh, <laughs> one journalist who posted about Amazon's position on mail-in voting. So uh, Jack uh, Postobiec, I, I don't know how to say his name. I never know how to say his last name. Uh, anyway, the owner of the Washington Post is a 
officially stated mail-in ballot elections of serious and systemic flaws. Now, and then he gets he gets a uh, an election fraud dispute on his tweet. He's accurately quoting Amazon, who owns the well, Bezos owns the Washington Post. So what he's saying is true, but he's still getting he's still getting censored or throttled or however you want to say it. Censored may not be the right word. Uh, censored, throttled, however you want to say it, for pointing that out. And again, we're talking about somebody who owns the Washington Post, who is all over how mail-in voting does not in any way compromise the election, which, of course, is not true. All of the evidence is that voting by mail is, is not very secure, and that's why most Western democracies don't do it. So pretty funny stuff. Got more coming up. Newstalk 95.3, Michiana's news channel.